Today on Voices of Experience, we're going to help you watch your back. And today we'll have the second part of our interview with Michelle Villalobos, CSP and member of the Million Dollar Speakers Group. And she's sharing part two to how to build a seven-figure back end, including the tech tools you'll need to bring it to fruition. Then we'll have Joe Mole, CSP, Cara Saletto, and Sean Rhodes discussing how to use customer relationship management systems, or CRMs, to grow our businesses. We'll conclude with a conversation between our president, Anna Liotta, and our CEO, Mary Lou Peck. Let's get started. Now, what services or technology would you recommend for hosting one's back-end content? Because here's so a question. Easy. Oh, my gosh. Well, we do. We use, like, two things. We okay. use um, Zoom. Oh, oh, okay, Zoom calling. We just use Zoom calls, and we run a weekly call with our clients. Mm-hmm. And we record those call uh, calls. And I also do something called office hours. Okay. So, I, you know, I am available through that. And then we just upload all of those calls and a little, you know, extra resources and things into a, a membership platform. We use Thinkific, but okay. there's Kajabi, there's ClickFunnels, there's all sorts of technology these days. And that's the easy part, if you ask me. Well, and I love the fact, I'll just throw this out here, that you mentioned Zoom, because I know NSA members, we have a special yes. membership with Zoom. So we get a huge discount. So just throwing that out there, yes. since we're talking about it, that's a wonderful mm-hmm. video conferencing it is. platform. It is. And we I, love it. And I just switched to it. I, I was uh, I used one of their competitors, and I find it it's much better when it comes to interacting with the audience than mm-hmm. most that's of the competition. Exactly right, and that's how you know the the key that I found, and not everybody needs to do this way. Obviously, is instead of building a program or a back end or a coaching or a mastermind, what you're building is a culture. Mm. And when you build, start building a culture with its own language, with mm-hmm. its own uh, experiences, live experiences especially, especially, you can really start to trust that the people in your culture can carry it forward. And you don't have to hang on to it so tight. Mm-hmm. Now, I love the fact that you said you're building a culture because what, and you mentioned experiences because mm-hmm. I think oftentimes we can be focused on the product itself or the deliverable. But when you say experience, that's going to influence how everything is set up. That's going to influence how you uh, mention something, what materials they receive. Completely, yeah. And, and, it, and it influences, too. I mean, the, the relationships that happen among the group members, a lot of times what will happen is, you know, in the beginning, people think they need me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I need, you know, I want to talk to Michelle. I want to do this with Michelle. But as they, time goes on, they realize there's so much value in the group, mm. specific in specific areas. We've got an SEO person. We've got a person that does YouTube videos. I mean, we have all of these resources now and now they're getting together and co-creating things together we have nothing to do with it and values being generated out of the group so people you know the really people who are contributing the most are the ones that stay the longest okay okay that's actually like corporations what they say Mm -hmm. about the employees that volunteer for the most additional things are the ones that have the highest employee satisfaction which is why we really recommend like tap into your own clients when you need something Mm -hmm. go to them first Mm -hmm. you know it's probably going to save you money and on top of that, it's going to create more of that that contribution culture. So you were talking about tapping into your clients, which kind of brings us right into the last question, if you have time for that one. And that is, who should speakers sell their back-end programs to? If they're just starting off, who should they have in mind as that ideal customer? 
Well, you know, it's funny that, that you say that because part of that big transformation and that big transition that I had back in 2014, 2015 was me actually getting honest mm -hmm. about who I really wanted to serve. Mm -hmm. In the first seven years of my business, I've been in business 12 years, those first seven years where I was hustling, where it was hard, it wasn't fun, I was operating from a perspective of what's the market that will buy from me? Okay. What's the feasible, viable, <laughs> strategic choice? here? Do I go this way or do I go that way? And the big difference, the one of the biggest shifts I made from then on and today to this day is really starting from my heart and asking, who am I here to serve? Who do I care about the most? Who do I love working with? And really starting from that place. Mm -hmm. And from that place, even if the answer is different from who you're speaking to now, well, now you know how, you know how to build a speaking business. So go out and get yourself in front of those audiences. Mm -hmm alongside what you're doing now okay. and, and have it, you could be at transition. You don't have to stop doing what you're doing today mm -hmm. and migrate to this new thing, mm -hmm. you know, and you could also sell to the people you're talking to today. Okay. But if that's not who your heart is really calling you forward to serve, then you can move to, this makes it really easy to just switch directions. All you need is one or two engagements a month in front of your ideal audience and you fill, you're filling a pipeline. You don't wow. need that many clients to make a model like this work. Okay. Okay. You know? I think the last thing you said is key because oftentimes people think that when they're building a big back, big back end that they need thousands and thousands mm -hmm. of clients. But it sounds like you're saying that that's not necessarily the case. And I would I would imagine it depends on your price point. If you set out yes the proper price point, hundred percent. Like you can do. I mean, I was doing the number. We have a. I don't know. If, I have a resource I can give to people for the resource that you mentioned. We can actually make that available under the members only section of this podcast, so that they can get further information from you. But tell us a little bit about the resource. Well, I have I created this little Excel spreadsheet called the Retreats to Revenues Calculator, and it basically allows you to type in what you're thinking about charging for a retreat, mm -hmm. how many people you want to put in, how many times of year you want to do it, and what you're selling on the back end, and how well you think you can convert. Mm. And you can basically do run a whole bunch of trial scenarios and understand the, the revenue side of it. Wow. But if you think about it, let's say you're charging 2000 per person, 10 people in a room four times a year, that's 80000 I think, in upfront revenues. Mm -hmm. And then let's say you're offering a $1,000 a month back-end program and 30% of people say yes. You're already at you know well over a couple hundred thousand in revenues right. for the year with only one retreat a quarter with 10 people in the room. So you know the price point is really a fundamental piece of this equation mm -hmm. and so you've got to be able to create some foundational program that really drives an outcome that has a really high value understood and i think that's a powerful point michelle i cannot believe that you shared this level of information with us and i'm sure everyone listening right now is running out to start taking those steps to building their own big back end Yay. thank you so much my pleasure Switching gears from one kind of business back into another, now you're going to learn how to use CRMs or customer relationship management systems to grow your professional speaking business. In studio today, we have Joe Mole, CSP, who has trained and consulted with more than 200 organizations in the past five years. 95% of Kara Saletto's business is generated by inbound leads, while 90% of Sean Rhodes' business revenue comes from customers who've never heard of him. Luckily, all three of them are joining us today to give us the CRM Masterclass. Welcome, everybody. Thanks. Hello. Thank you. So, questions. Let's go ahead and get started. 
What kinds of entries do pros make in their CRMs that beginners may not know to include? Let's go ahead and start with Kara. Well, I think one of the most important things is to define exactly what an opportunity really is, because I find some folks are putting that too early. Mm -hmm. And so just making sure that you have the exact criteria of what an opportunity is, just because somebody calls us, it doesn't mean they have a real opportunity for us. It may be too low of a fee that we're going to have to refer out. And I don't want to waste our time or put a part in our system uh, that would track those types of things. So making sure you have the definition of what you're doing and then also just make sure that every single opportunity has activities or follow-up items attached to it mm. every once in a while we'll find an opportunity in our system that we forgot to put the follow-up <laughs> so, so anyone that's in the system there should be some future item that pops up for you to have an additional contact yes not every single contact but okay. every single opportunity because okay. we have over 10,000 people in the system and mm -hmm. wouldn't be able to manage ongoing communication so a lot of those people People are just in our email list for newsletters and things like that. Right. But if there are real opportunities, we absolutely have a next step follow up. And a quick tool also is I know so many speakers who say, I'm just not good at getting in my CRM. I'm just not good at doing the follow up activities or staying on top of my tracking. Mm -hmm. And I'll let you in on a little secret. I love my virtual assistant okay. because I blind copy her okay. on my emails where I say, Hey, Max, great talking with you today on the phone, mm -hmm. wink, wink, mm -hmm. Brandy. Um, and it was great that we talked about XYZ. Right. So I will send you that proposal by next week or by tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And then Brandy knows because she's my satellite brain, right. she will then track all of those things for me. She puts the history of the phone call, she puts the next activity, and she puts my to do item of sending that proposal. Okay, so Kara, let's move on from you to Sean, because Sean, I know when it comes to CRMs, your specialty is more from the sales end, because you're the one who the majority of your clients have never even heard of you. Mm -hmm. So I would imagine the way that you set up your CRM or customer relationship management tool is a little different. Are there additional items that someone who's looking to pull in more customers should include? Qualifying leads, as Kara mentioned, is absolutely essential. We've learned that there are probably nine or more different data points that we can research using Google to okay. find out, is this, a, as you mentioned, a qualified prospect? Do they have the budget to bring somebody like me in? Have they brought in external speakers in the past? When is their next event? Where is their next event? A CRM is great for tracking all of that information in the account notes so that when you decide you want to make outreach on it, whatever omni-channel communication you want to use, letter, phone, email, voicemail, LinkedIn, whatever, you have all the information you need need to be able to specifically get to the person you're trying to get to, make a pitch about that particular event they're having to drive that sales conversation to bring you in as the speaker. Okay. Thanks, Sean. Now, Joe, up to you because your specialty mm. is more after the contract is signed or after someone says they want to do business with you. Right. You leverage uh, the project management aspect of CRMs. Help us understand what should be included for those types of entries. Sure. I think a lot of people think of a CRM as a, a prospecting and a sales tool mm -hmm. without realizing that you can utilize most CRMs throughout the entire life cycle of working with a client. Okay. And most reputable CRMs have a component built in for project management. Sometimes right. they call them projects, sometimes they call them bookings or events. Whatever CRM you're using probably has that component built into it. Okay. And so if you put a little bit of time to build task lists or activity sets. Oh that are tied to certain dates or time spans mm -hmm. associated with the booking. Okay. Every time you book a new event, 
or a new project or a new client, a couple clicks and pushes of a button will produce everything that you need to do for that client tied to a date. Okay. So for instance, let's say as a speaker for any event that we have, whether we're doing trainings or, or whatever, there's usually a list of things that need to happen for that right. to be successful. We need to receive the deposit invoice. We need to book the flight. So you're saying that via CRM, many of these, we can set these out so that maybe it knows 30 days before the event, mm -hmm. we're going to get some type of little nudge yep. to book the flight. So yes, the really key to this is three components. It's the okay. what, the when, and the who. Okay. So take a particular service line in your business. Maybe it's keynoting. Maybe you do big retreats for corporate teams. Maybe you do coaching. But you sit down and you say, from the moment that I book that client to when I am likely finished with this particular engagement, what are all of the things that have to happen? It's all the things you mentioned. It's if you have to send two invoices, it's invoice one and invoice two. If you have to book a flight, mm -hmm. if you need to do a pre-event survey or collect some data, and you make that list of all of those what's. Okay. And then right next to each of those items is you figure out the when. Mm. And the easiest way to do this is to figure out how many days or weeks either from booking okay. or from completion, that particular activity needs to happen. Okay. Because when you build it into the CRM, mm -hmm. that's how the CRM is going to treat it, right? It's all data so points. So the CRM will plug in the date for you. They'll plug in the date for you once you tell it what the date span is or the time span is from okay. that particular item. And then the last component, if you're working with a team, is the who. Mm -hmm. Because in most CRMs, you can then assign within that pre-populated activity set that these five things go to my assistant over here, these other five things go to my bookkeeper over there, these 10 things live with me. And then once you build that activity set, every time you enter a new project into the CRM, mm -hmm. you pull down that drop-down menu, you select that activity set, you put in the start date and the end date, and everything else is populated for you, and it probably all shows up on a dashboard within the CRM that tells you what you should do today, this week, and next week. I love how you said that not only will it tell you what you need to do today, next week, and in the future, but you even said something about having it assigned to assistants. And I know, Kara, you talked about leveraging an assistant as well. Sean, in the sales process, are there things that you do with CRMs where you're able to leverage other people as well? Absolutely. We leverage inside salespeople, leverage people that send out cards and letters for omni-channel communication to prospects without people. All, it all falls apart and people allow you to scale. Okay. Uh, something that we may be worth addressing to Joe's point is the why of these task sets. What makes that valuable? Okay. Delivering a great keynote is a very complex process with many moving pieces. Right. And every time we deliver one, hopefully we're learning something new, better, or different to do for our next client. We're continuously improving as well. What Joe mentioned, those events, those task sets, whatever they're called in your CRM, that facilitates you not having to keep track of 160 different things that have mm. to happen in a certain order. Okay. leaving you free to do what you do best, deliver and improve your clients. I love it. So it sounds like the, the key to having a su successful CRM is not only having the right action items in there, the right activities, having those things listed, but also having support that can support you in this. And I would imagine if they're assigned tasks, it's easier for you to hold them accountable because it's not just some random checklist where they just need to complete it at some point. There's actual dates tied to these things. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I can follow up with my salesperson or my assistant. I can pull their reports at any given time and see if they're behind on follow-ups. Okay. It shows up bright red. Right, right. <laughs> so yes, I can hold my team accountable and they don't like the red on their list, so they stay on top of it. Oh. 
and, and the first three years that I was in business for myself, I was by myself. Okay. And you know, you start to get busy and you start to have those moments of crisis where you go, did I send that thing to that person or did I, right. uh, you know, and, and to have a system in place where you can go back and look and see that something has been checked off. Right. It tells you that that's been taken care of. And then when you start to scale and you add people, you can't possibly keep your finger on the pulse of every little thing that everyone is doing. Right. That's what the system in the CRM does for you. And we say, if it isn't in the system, it didn't happen. Yep. Yep. Hello. So <laughs> nobody can say, well, I did that. I mean, if they can pull up the email right. or whatnot that proves it, that's fine. But then we go back and we put that history in okay. and even copy and paste it. Most of the CRMs will allow you to sync your email. So okay. it will automatically collect the emails that go in and out, which is great. But phone calls, sometimes we forget to put in there. Right. <laughs> and most CRMs will even feed into a calendar. So you can okay. use your calendar platform of choice if it's an Apple calendar, a Google calendar, and you can feed in your CRM's calendar and those tasks for that day or that week can show up and populate on, on most platforms as well. That's powerful. Listening to you right now, I would think anyone who is not actively using a CRM, I would think the first step would be for them to start creating these lists. Like they can take a piece of paper and start saying, for every event that I have, what are all the things that need to happen for this to be successful? For me to build a relationship with someone who doesn't know me, how do I jot out the steps of a sales funnel, an omni-channel uh, communications? I would think to myself, okay, if I'm managing this whole business project, what are all the steps that need to be put in place? That way, when you choose a CRM, whatever CRM you choose, you can use it well, because I, I don't know if you all have found this, but I've used many different CRMs, and what I found is, at the end of the day, the determining factor is me. <laughs> it's not the tool, it's yep. the user, it's how, it's how powerful you use it. So in closing, I wanna give you each an opportunity to share with us one tip for creating a system that works. If you think about the most powerful thing you can share with a successful speaker on just really optimizing the CRM, what would that be? Who wants to start off? I think it's crucial that if you're trying to get organized, mm -hmm. you pick one dashboard for your business, one digital dashboard. For some people, that's a, a to-do app or list-making app. For other people, that's uh, their calendar, maybe. Right. For me, it's the task list on my CRM, okay. and I feed everything into that. As I look at it every morning, it's the first thing that I go to. Uh, everything that we do in my business has to feed into that, okay. and so it, it keeps you sane, it saves you time, and it gives you uh, a predictable place where you know you have to go in order to keep track of everything that needs to get done. I love it. Thank you, Joe. My pleasure. So for me, I would say most of the conferences that we are trying to get booked for are annual. Right. So do not forget, we did this our first year. We did all this research on whose conferences are when and where and who's the decision maker. And we set activities for that first year. And maybe we got a lot of rejections because okay. we were cold calling then. But we forgot to set the reminder for the next year <laughs> for that same exact yep. conference. Right. So as you make these um, decisions and do the research and start putting it in there, check and see if you can make annual reminders or when an op closes, whether you won it or you lost it, make sure to set the next activity for that client moving forward. So you're saying that just because we won this piece of business and we did great, we shouldn't just walk away and look for the next thing because they might be able to hire us again, if not next year, three years, five years down the road but we need cues in our CRMs. Is that what it's for? Exactly. Okay. <laughs> All right, Sean, what about you? Absolutely. I'd tag on to the other great speakers here that are using CRMs brilliantly to say that a CRM can also be used to make sure that you get better and better as a speaker and as a business person. Mm. The next time that you reach out and you get a positive piece of feedback on an email or a voicemail or anything positive happens, track it in your CRM. Make sure that you're not only trying to fix the gaps, but that you're replicating success. If something Ooh. fails, you lose a deal for whatever reason, a CRM 
CRM can be a brilliant way to remind you to reach back out to the client even after the deal is lost and ask, what could I have done differently? Build that back into the way that you go to market so you never lose a deal for that reason again. I think we can end on that note right there. Joe, (laughs) Kara, Sean, thank you so much for joining us on Voices of Experience. Thank Thank you. you. Happy to be here. Now we're going to listen in on a fireside chat between NSA President Ana Liotta and NSA CEO Mary Lou Peck as they share some of NSA's newest developments. Hi, it's Ana Liotta, your NSA President, and I am so pleased to be here with Mary Lou Peck, your CEO. Mary Lou has been with us 20 months now. Mary Lou, I'd like to have folks learn a little bit about you before we get into the, some of the things happening this year. And um, let's do some fun facts. Okay. First fun fact, I know you have a favorite place to vacation. Tell us where and why. <laughs> it's actually Disneyland. I like it because uh, I'm an introvert, my husband's an extrovert, so he loves to be around people. Um, I love Disney and Pixar and all things sweet, so I can handle the people in that situation. Disneyland is small enough that we know the parks, we know our favorite rides, and we know when we can take our breaks and go back to the hotel, so it works out perfect for both of us. Let's talk more about your superpowers, because we have something that we're working on right now that's really powerful for NSA, and it's we're bringing in a new AMS. Tell us what it is and why it's important to us. So an AMS is an association management system. It is like a CRM, customer relation management system, for associations. And it's exciting for several reasons. First of all, it will be a much better user experience for anybody who's tried to interact with us on our website. It can be a little painful. (laughs) We can be hard to do business with. We can be very hard to do business. I don't think we could make it harder to do business with (laughs) us, right? So this, once it's up and running, will streamline the back end of that process. So we'll also be working on our front end. But the, the other thing that's really exciting is it's going to give us access to accurate information. We're going to be able to pull reports. We're going to be able to see trends. And then we're going to be able to make that move toward the data-informed decision-making versus the, i got to go with my gut, or I asked like 20 people because that's all I have time to ask before we have to make this major decision. Mm -hmm. And that's really helping us elevate our member value when we know our members better. Yes. Everything we do this year is about elevating member value and really taking care of our core customer. Let's talk a little bit about that core customer. We went through at the last board meeting in July and we really looked at who we serve. Let's talk a little bit about those four core customers? We serve professional speakers who, one, primarily earn their revenue through speaking or speaking-related sources, and two, are committed to continual improvement. Now, within that group, we've segmented our customers into four different segments for now, and as we get more data, we'll be able to segment out the sub-segments of the segments and customize um, programming. Um, We've got the emerging uh, professional, somebody that's newer to the profession, uh, usually less than five years Mm -hmm. of um, full-time professional speaking. And then we have people that are successfully speaking, but maybe make less than half a million dollars. That's a really core group of people, and often an overlooked group of people. 
And then we have our professional speakers that are making more than half a million dollars a year. And finally, we have our uh, speakers that are, are exiting the profession. Mm-hmm. But because this is such a tight-knit community, they still want to stay involved. Mm-hmm. And the needs vary, right? So what you need when you are just getting started is very different than when you're running a business than when you um, are exiting. We shared at Influence about the new BDA factor that we're looking at the before, the during, and the after. How do we deliver value before people ever arrive on site? How do we make sure that during, while they're on site, it's ridiculous value? And then after, how do we make sure that it's continuing to deliver value long after they unpack their bags? So this year, we're starting off with the summit, the CSP, Mm -hmm. CPAE summit, December 6th through the 8th in San Diego. And we're going to start it off with a 30-day opt-in mastermind so that people can get ready to summit. And during summits are going to be all about scale, scaling up your business and making sure that you can grow your business, scaling out, remixing your product portfolio and scaling down that retiring speaker if you're ready to look at the next life stage. Thank you for joining us for Voices of Experience. Download alert. Members of NSA can access a bonus item from Michelle to help you build your business back in. View the link in the episode description or visit nsaspeaker.org forward slash VOE podcast for more information. See you for next week's episode, No More Knows. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.